Welcome to this month's episode of the Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast, a combination of views, news, and tips relating to topics and situations relevant to guys going through a divorce. The data of marriage and divorce can offer a window into the trends of these experiences. Culturally viewed as a negative for a number of years, divorce speaks to the way a married couple deals with its issues and concerns over time. The major events of the outside world can often offer a cultural guide to what ails the individual, how to move forward, and heal. With the divorce rate declining over the last few decades, it is surprising to note that elder divorce is on the rise. The divorce rate for 55 to 64-year-olds more than doubled from 1990 to 2012, and the rate for people ages 65 and older tripled. Dadsdivorce.com online editor Sean Garrison sits down with Stephanie Coons, professor of family studies at Evergreen State College, to discuss the reasons for this rise and explain some of the complications that arise when older couples divorce. Since the 1980s, the overall divorce rate in the United States has steadily declined. However, for couples older than 50, the divorce rate has doubled and nearly tripled for couples older than 65. According to a report from Bowling Green State University, one of four people experiencing divorce in the U.S. is 50 or older, and one in 10 is 65 or older. Perhaps the most baffling aspect of this trend is that it holds steady regardless of class or education, factors that typically influence marriage and divorce rates. Stephanie Kuntz, who is a historian and teaches family studies at Evergreen State College, says that one reason for this rise in so-called gray divorces is that people are simply living longer. I think we are also seeing uh, an interesting phenomenon uh, in terms of what, what I think of as a kind of good news, bad news scenario, and that is the extension of the healthy lifespan. If you reach age 65 and are healthy, you can actually expect to have another 20 or 25 years of healthy living. So it's a very different case when really uh, back in the 40s and 50s, your average marriage ended by one person's death uh, within 15 years, 10 or 15 years after the kids left home. So a lot of people stayed together in what we think of as empty shell marriages because there just weren't any alternatives. While it is certainly encouraging that people are living longer, the flip side of that is that many couples who could probably work out their problems are deciding to divorce after years of drifting apart. Dr. Kuhn speculates that one reason why couples who have been together for many years are deciding to end their marriages is that they're putting off divorce until after their children leave the home. But then afterwards, uh, people look at each other with the empty house and find out that they've kind of lost contact or grown apart. So I think that one thing that researchers emphasize is it's very important, just as they say in the plane, put your oxygen mask on first, uh, take care of your own relationship. You don't have to be taking care of your kids all of the time. And look for things to do that you can grow in. Marriage and divorce data has fluctuated with the events of modern history in the United States. During events like war, swings in economic development, or major legislation that has been passed, the data for marriage and divorce seems to react accordingly. Dadsdivorce.com online editor Sean Garrison is joined by data analysis expert Randy Olson, who recently compiled data on the last 144 years of marriage and divorce rates in the United States and they discuss the historical trends of marriage and divorce. 
Today we are joined by Dr. Randy Olson, who is a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Pennsylvania. As a hobby, Dr. Olson has taken up an interest in data analysis, and his work has been featured on news outlets such as the New York Times, Wired, and 538. Recently, Dr. Olson published a blog post in which he charted the marriage and divorce rates in the United States for the last 144 years. We'll talk to him today about that research and some of his findings. Randy, thank you for joining us today. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Randy, to start with, can you tell us about uh, just the data collection process for this? Uh, what did you have to go through in order to be able to analyze you know, this, this last uh, 144 years of, of information regarding, regarding marriage and divorce rates? Sure. So, I mean, I knew that the CDC had been collecting data on this through their uh, National Center for Health Statistics database. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'd just be able to go right online and there would be an easy CSV file or something to download and I could, you know, just check this data out. I was actually surprised, much to my dismay, uh, that most of the data, at least, you know, going beyond the 90s and later, uh, by later I mean, you know, earlier, uh, back to the 1800s, uh, were mostly in PDFs. So uh, I, I found out that basically every month uh, this, this program releases a, a report on the various statistics they track, such as, you know, births, deaths, marriages, divorces, so on and so forth. Um, and then they also publish annual reports summarizing that year's data. Um, and so that's basically what I had to go through, which every year, uh, you know, for the entire time span, I had to find an annual report, co uh, copy the data into an Excel file, and then, and then move on from there. I was actually really helped out, though, by the fact that um, in 1973, um, some wonderful, wonderful employee published a summary of the data between 1867 and 1967. And so that's actually, that kind of gave me this idea too of, oh, hey, maybe we should try to extend it, you know, to 2010 now at least. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was sort of it. It was just a lot of looking through old documents, copying, pasting, and, and then, you know, putting it into a machine-readable format. Um, actually, something I was really impressed with with this database, though, is that despite the fact that this is data that covers, you know, well over a hundred years of uh, U.S. history, uh, they've managed to keep the reports and everything in fairly consistent format. And that's despite the fact that the people who are putting together the reports uh, have no doubt changed. The, ma the people who manage the program have changed. And even the program has changed names and changed structure over the years as well, yet these reports are still pretty consistent. So I was really impressed with how they've organized this database. Absolutely, and uh, once you've finished with the, going through all that data, uh, you put together in your blog post uh, a, a couple um, charts that, that provided really a visual look at how, uh, how the marriage and divorce um, rates and, and, and trends have, have fluctuated through the years. Um, can you tell me about, I guess, some of the more interesting trends that you noticed in uh, the marriage and divorce rates uh, just, you know, through the different decades? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so sort of the purpose of me visualizing and sharing this data set, you know, now that I put in about four hours to compile the data, um, I just wanted to provide sort of a summary of the data, a visual summary, to show, you know, hey, what are some interesting trends that happened here? Um, and first, one of the earliest trends that I really noticed there was the effect of the Great Depression on marriage. Uh, you know, there's, there's a fairly steady trend of more and more marriage over time, and then suddenly there's this huge dip, and sure enough, it's exactly when the Great Depression occurred, so it kind of seems that, you know, once money gets tight, 
uh, and once the, the economy is suffering and everything, that marriage is one of the first things that gets put on hold. So I thought that was a really interesting trend there. Um, another interesting thing was that uh, uh, immediately before both of the world wars, uh, there was a huge spike in marriage. And then immediately after the World Wars, after they concluded, there was a huge spike in divorce. And so I thought that was kind of interesting, slightly entertaining uh, in a morbid kind of way because it kind of showed that, ah, there's all these young people that are getting shipped off to war. You know, they're totally sold and the romanticism of it. Uh, and so they get married before the war. And then once they come back, you know, maybe they're completely different people. They've grown up and they, they don't actually, <laughs> they can't actually stand marriage after that or they can't stand each other and they get divorced. Uh, so that was another interesting one. Um, and then another really interesting one, too, was that immediately after World War II, um, along with the uh, divorce spike, was also a huge marriage spike. And so that right there, we were starting to see the beginning of the baby boom uh, as all these people came back from the war and they were ready to settle down. They're done with fighting. They want to build a family. Uh, so I thought that was also a very interesting trend in the data set. Sure, definitely. Um, and one of the other things you noted in your blog post um, was that since the 1980s, uh, marriage rates have been have been declining. And uh, now that after you take into account population, uh, the marriage rates are actually lower than they've ever been in, uh, in history in the U.S. Um, I know you're more of a data expert, but can you uh, give me any theories as to as to why those rates have declined so much to, to the point that they're at now? Sure, yeah. I mean, I can, I can give sort of a personal perspective anyway, uh, sort of my personal hypothesis, um, which is, you know, I think the fact that many uh, of the people in my age range, which is, you know, in the 20s and maybe low 30s, um, you know, we grew up during this period where divorce became in incredibly common. You know, we'd, we'd grow up seeing statistics saying, you know, 50% of all marriages end up in divorce things like that. And I think, so I think that, I think like that really sort of made marriage uh, not as enticing of a, of a thing to pursue uh, once we've grown up now. Um, and then I, I think another thing that really contributes to it is the fact that, uh, is that our generation is, is also sort of drowning in college debt and various other forms of debt, you know, that we've accrued over the years. And so I think we're sort of in a, a slightly unique position here where, you know, we're experiencing a major financial crunch um, and you see this in, in all kinds of other statistics, too. You know, we, we're quite low on home ownership and, and various other things. Um, so I think very similar to what we saw in the Great Depression, you know, that when money gets tight, marriage is one of the things that gets is one of the first things to get put puts on the uh, on the backboard. U.S. military involvement overseas rising over the last few decades, many soldiers find themselves coming back to a different home than they are used to. The number of divorces and suicides among active U.S. military personnel is rising at a dangerous rate, and many are looking to help. U.S. Marine veteran Michael Pretty joins DadsDivorce.com online editor Sean Garrison to discuss Mighty Oaks Program, a faith-based program committed to helping families recover and move forward. In society, the divorce rate hovers somewhere between 40 and 50 percent. Tragically, however, that number spikes to 80 percent for combat veterans. The suicide rate is also dramatically higher for this demographic, with 22 veterans taking their lives every day. 
Michael Pretty and David Allison recently completed a cross-country bike trip covering 2,700 miles to raise awareness about veterans' suicide and divorce rates. Pretty, who served eight years in the Marine Corps, including two tours in Iraq and six years of contracting, says there are various factors that contribute to the high divorce rate amongst veterans. It's that much higher uh, amongst our veterans and combat veterans uh, because of the just the way they live their lives, basically. You know, uh, the veteran goes away for six months, 12 months, 15, 18 months at a time. And when that veteran comes home, he's coming home to a family that's changed in the last 12 years. You know, the man has a, the husband has a role with his family and then he goes away and the wife steps into every single role. So she's in control and she's doing everything. When a man comes in back from that and tries to step back into uh, the role that he had, there's friction. And then you couple that along with coming down with symptoms of post-traumatic stress and, and things like that. It, it just becomes very quarrelsome. Pretty is a team leader with the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program, a faith-based program committed to helping veteran families recover and move forward. Pretty says that the work the program has done proves that it's possible for veterans to resume their lives with their families once they return home. We're hoping to spread the message uh, that the Mighty Oaks Warrior Programs has is that veterans don't have to be killing themselves. We don't have to be divorcing at this atrocious rate uh, if we just bring our lives into alignment with what it was supposed to be. And actually veterans are finding healing through that. Um, after four years of this program, there's been zero suicides. And we've had a thousand students and through the marriage advance from this program, there's zero divorces. So those statistics speak for themselves. Researchers in both the U.S. and the U.K. are turning up new results regarding marriage and divorce trends. This research suggests that couples whose marriages are marred in high conflict only make up a small percentage of the marriages that end in divorce. DadsDivorce.com online editor Sean Garrison sits down with Brigham Young University professor Spencer James to discuss the implications for both the individuals in the relationship and the children affected by these marriages ending. The stereotype of a divorcing couple that we tend to picture is of two spouses fighting and bickering for months and even years before finally coming to the sad realization that their marriage is broken. However, recent research seems to indicate that many divorcing couples actually decide to break off marriages that are seemingly fine. A recent study in the UK found that only about 9% of divorcing couples were leaving high-conflict relationships, and research in the United States has turned up similar findings. Spencer James, who is a professor at Brigham Young University and helped conduct the study, says this is disappointing because it indicates that many of these marriages could probably be saved with a reasonable amount of support. It also has some negative ramifications for children of these relationships. For any uh, children that these couples have, the ending of a low-conflict divorce is actually worse than ending a high-conflict one because in the case of these children, absent any other clear possibilities, they often conclude that the divorce was their fault or that relationships are simply unstable, uh, which in turn make, uh, can make it difficult to trust people. It's tricky to pinpoint why these couples are splitting up, but James theorizes it has much to do with a variety of socioeconomic and cultural factors. It's hard to, to speculate exactly what's happening as there are as many reasons for getting divorced as there are people divorced. Uh, but importantly, I think it's uh, 
uh, it's good to mention that divorce tends to hit the most disadvantaged among us, uh, the hardest. So, for example, in the United States right now, uh, the divorce rate among the college educated is at levels that we haven't seen since the 1950s. Essentially, all of the growth in the divorce rate over the past couple decades has been with those uh, who have uh, who are comparatively uneducated. That's all the time we have today for this month's edition of the Men's Divorce Podcast. Hopefully we gave you some perspective in how divorce trends can vary depending on individual background and experiences. These marriage and divorce trends offer a look into the demographics of the groups that can explain statistics using historical reason and outside data. These couples exploring divorce are not always broken, and sometimes it's those that need the outside help the most. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for interviews, news, tips, and more covering a range of topics facing men during divorce. You can also find a number of resources on our website at CordellCordell.com, as well as our informational sites, mensdivorce.com and dadsdivorce.com.